from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 424. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Fitbod, Memberful, and Uni Pizza Ovens. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. I'm back at home. Mm-hmm. Not, not at Apple Park. Not this time. And you're um, not at home. I'm not at home. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. We'll talk about why in a little bit. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question to kick the show off for you. It comes from Aaron. Aaron wants to know, Jason, how do you feel about the movie Prometheus? <laughs> well, we know Scott Forstall didn't like it. Yeah. We spoke about this on Upgrade Plus last week. Yeah, at the California Theater. Yeah. I heard, I heard, I overheard Scott Forstall right before he got fired. I think before he actually lie. knew he was leaving at that point and was just kind of there on an obligatory level. But anyway, um, I saw Prometheus in the theater and I thought it was okay. I don't I don't love 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 it and I think that it, I have problems with it, but I feel like this is one of those examples where like the 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 prevailing wisdom, like the internet wisdom has turned into this thing where they they savage that movie and I I don't think it's that bad. I actually think it's okay. I I think it's very ambitious and I think it's disappointing as an alien movie, right? <laughs> Which is what it actually mm-hmm, is. Mhm. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's got some dumb stuff in it, but I think it's got a lot of cool stuff in it too. It's got some perplexing things, but like, again, I thought it, I, I enjoyed it in the moment and I don't really understand the negativity toward it because I think it's okay. But, um, I think lots of people hate it. Anyway, I, I disagreed in my own mind as I walked past Scott Forstall and he said it sucked because I thought to myself, Hey, Apple executive disagree. But you know, then he wasn't an Apple executive. He became a Broadway producer shortly thereafter. I, I, it always surprises me that he never went back to tech. I don't know. Maybe he he got, <laughs> he got enough money that he they paid him off to just go away. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. I I don't know. Second acts. This is a topic for another time. But second acts of Apple execs like are not Apple execs don't generally do well after they leave Apple. I think Apple is such a unique place, including Steve and Jobs. If you try to <laughs> if you try to import second act somewhere else um you have a hard time right mm-hmm. yeah i mean steve jobs had a hard time and then he had to come back to apple yep um ron johnson had a really hard time at jc penny um the rubenstein went to palm ruben rubenstein did okay right because then he did the android thing at google like rubenstein did fine yeah well no i mean he did okay but like it was never i don't know i, I feel like it was never the same Um, and that, that's, that, that is, I think the wise thing to do is to, uh, either do the forestall where you take your money and you go away, or you do the Phil Schiller thing where you ascend to a higher level and fade away. Oh, Johnny. Although my understanding is that Phil is, uh, Phil's still heavily involved in Apple event planning. Yeah. That's my understanding. Mm. That's what he does now. Understanding. If you would like to send in a hashtag Snell Talk question of your own, you can just send one out with a tweet with a hashtag Snell Talk. Use question mark Snell Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. Oh, I'm I'm gonna before we get into it, I, I'm gonna say, uh, you know what? Tony Fidel might be your best example. Thanks to Chris in the Discord for mentioning that. Tony Tony Fidel did a pretty good job winning. Went out and did Nest after uh, doing the iPod. Mm-hmm. So all right, there. That's the exception that proves the rule, though. Stop sending me exceptions, though. I don't, I don't need no to hear more. them. I just, I'm just saying no it's more. hard to adapt. And, mm-hmm. and I think they make enough money. A lot of these executives make enough money at Apple that maybe the best move is to just uh, finance a Broadway show instead. 
So I am in Memphis, Tennessee right now. And there is a very mm-hmm. good reason for that. Because this coming Friday, so it's Friday, September 16th, from 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash RelayFM, we are going to be streaming live the fourth annual podcast-a-thon for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital as we continue to try and raise money and successfully raise money for St. Jude uh, throughout this entire month. Let me take a look at our current total, Jason. We've just passed $180,000 raised for the kids of St. Jude. We have a goal of $494,840.18 this year. The reason that goal is so specific is because when we reach it, as a community, over the last four years, we will have raised $2 million for the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is finding cures and saving children for kids that are suffering with various forms of cancer and other life-threatening diseases. St. Jude not only treats these kids, but it learns from the treatments that they create, shares that information with the world. It is a research hospital. And treatments that have been uh, created and found at St. Jude have lowered the childhood cancer survival rate massively in the time that they've been around. So St. Jude is celebrating its 60th year this year. And in that time, we've seen the childhood cancer survival rate in the U.S. go from 1 in 5 to 4 in 5. So it like flipped around, which is just an incredible thing to see. And it's because of the donations and the attention of people like our Relay FM listeners who continue to donate every year. But we need your donations to meet our goal. And we have a goal because it all goes to an incredible place doing incredible things. So we really want you to tune in for the podcast-a-thon. Uh, Jason's put together a wonderful game again this year, which we'll be talking about. Jason's going to come on and uh, talk about what he put together. How did it go, by the way? I know you recorded this weekend. Went great. We have we have a game show in the can. Uh there were winners, there were losers, laughs were had, uh, some surprising questions with some surprising answers, as was, you know, I think intended. As is the way things tend to be. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we've got tons of fun stuff. It's going to be eight hours long. We have all of our kind of the favorite things that we've had over the last couple of years that me and Stephen have gotten to experience when we've been apart from each other, and we're bringing them back. We've got tons of hijinks. It's really going to be a fantastic time. I really hope that you'll be able to tune in. So it's at twitch.tv slash RelayFM from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. It would really mean a lot to me uh, if our RelayFM listeners could come together, spend some time with us on the stream, donate some money to our incredible course here at St. Jude. So if you want to find out more about all of this, find out more about how to donate and fundraise, please go to stjude.org slash Relay, and uh, we can work on this together. Uh, let's you know. Let's cure child cancer, right? Isn't that the thing to do? Doesn't everybody want to do that? Mm-hmm. So Sounds good to me. If you tuned in, uh, we do have some items of follow up that I wanted to talk about because obviously, you know, okay. we spoke. It feels like forever ago to me now, uh, but we spoke after the event last week. I really can't believe it's just been a week. Less than a week, it's five days. But I wanted to see, did you order anything in the meantime? Because obviously pre-orders have gone up and stuff like that since. Mm, nothing for me personally, but yes, I did do the pre-order thing, loaded up in the Apple app, Apple Store app, and then yeah. set my alarm for 5 a.m. and get up and order uh, my son's iPhone because he's going oh. off to college. And so he gets to not have a hand-me-down for the first time in his life. He gets to not have a hand-me-down iPhone he is getting a uh, iPhone 14 
midnight 128 gig with the storm blue silicone case, which of course will arrive today because I told him this is a very important Apple tradition that you get your case before you get your phone. Uh, and and that's it. I, I've been toying with the idea of buying uh, the new AirPods Pro, but I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. Oh, I did. I also did the... Because they have a new thing, which I didn't know existed. Maybe I missed it, but I went through the ordering process for the AirPods Pro. Uh, Memoji engraving. Mm. Obviously, I did that. <laughs> so my AirPods Pro that I've ordered uh, will, be, will have my Memoji on them. Which is just like, that seems fun. I really like the engraving on the air tags. Like they have the little emoji. I just say it's kind of fascinating to me that they can engrave Memoji, which are infinitely almost customizable, you know, characters, right? The permutations of, of engraving the Memoji is huge. But yet they only have still have a limited emoji set that you can choose from. And I don't know, why can't I just engrave any emoji, you know? If they can get the Memoji part right, what anyway? But uh, I have a little uh, um, mic Memoji on my uh, on my AirPods. I I would say I ordered. Stephen ordered for me an iPhone because we're picking it up here in Memphis. Uh-huh. Um, so I got an iPhone 14 Pro Max in gold, uh, five twelve gigabyte again. So I'm very excited about that. Picking it up on Friday morning. So I'll have it. We, we can maybe talk. We'll probably touch on it, talk about it a little bit during the podcastathon itself on Friday because I would have picked it up in the morning. I'm intrigued to see how the eSIM process may work for me. <laughs> we'll find out if uh, I'll be able to actually transfer my phone to it. But you got the you got the Pro Max, so it's got a SIM slot. The Pro Max has a SIM slot. I think the Pros have SIM slots, don't they? No, I think I none of them do. It was just do. the 14s. No, oh, I, I was checking oh, that. Interesting. You know, for me, but I think they, uh, for what I could see, they uh, it's all eSIM. They they mentioned it during the 14 segment. But oh, so they're just all in the U.S. No, no, no uh, SIM slot. No at SIM all cards are all for anymore, anyone for anyone. Because that was it, they didn't mention Boo. it during the Pro Max part of the keynote. But you're right; it's there. Pro and Pro Max not also not compatible with physical SIM cards. Well, good luck, Mike. Yeah, my network supports eSIMs. So thank you for yeah, you know. I, right. Thank you for uh, calling AT and T, I guess, or something. Well, okay, so this is like a thing that. Um, I will recommend people check out. Apple have a support article about eSIMs and something I didn't know you could do during these quick setup process or during the setup process. You can transfer your current physical SIM card in your old phone to become an eSIM. I don't know how it works technically, but there's like a path of like, oh, hey, you got your old phone. You're now just going to move everything, including your SIM to the new phone and some carriers support this. So I'll try that. My carrier apparently supports this process in the UK. Mm. So I guess I'll give it a go. I'll let I'll follow up next week. Let you know how that went. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm very excited about the camera. I'll say, uh, as well as obviously Dynamic Island. Yeah, and and see how Dynamic Island works in pro in practice. Um... Although that's going to be a process, right? Because the Dynamic Island stuff will start small and mm-hmm. then at some point will grow. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's actually a little bit like how we deal with beta features in the summertime where 
you kind of have to wait for the apps to appear to judge it. And that's the same case with Dynamic Island is like the APIs and all that. Like that's all going to happen, but it's going to kind of happen slowly. So even what we get at launch is not going to be quite what it'll be like a few months later, presumably. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye. And yeah, I'm interested in looking at the camera stuff. I've got all that on my list, my you know review checklist for when I get phones to to give them all a spin but that that camera comparing the camera to the previous model cameras is going to be really interesting this week's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at text expander when you work in a small team every moment counts you don't want to have to be wasting time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to have to track down the same FAQs from the company's website. I do this so much with Text Expander. I have all of my Zoom details just saved in Text Expander in a little snippet. So I can just hit ZZOOM and it just fills them in. So if somebody needs to join a video call with me, I could just fire off that shortcut. I don't need to go and hunt down a URL anywhere. It's just at my fingertips all the time. These are the kind of things you want right there so you can get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition. This lets you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations will streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander will do the rest. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you anywhere you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you keep the personality and the communication that you send because you don't want everything to just be from chosen, you know, not not all the time do you want everything to be like a predefined thing that you've written. You want to make things feel a little warm, a little, you know, familial, and this will allow you to do that. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I also love Text Expander's team features. So we're able to share a bunch of snippets across Relay FM. So we always make sure that we are benefiting from the work of each other. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade, and you can get 20% of your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. I actually have some rumor roundup for you, Jason. Oh, really? I really do. There's been some stuff flowing around, and I thought, you know, it'd be good to touch on. Uh, I got a th- couple of things from Ming Chi Kuo and something from Mark Gurman too today. Uh, so Fantastic. first off, Ming Chi Kuo is suggesting uh, that Apple will continue to further separate their various models of iPhone going forward. So now we have mm. 14, 14 Plus, 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max, right? So you've got these kind of four brands. But there is a suggestion that Mark Gurman also makes that Apple may bring the Ultra name to the iPhone in the future, mm-hmm. maybe for, you would naturally assume, replacing the Pro Max. So we would have iPhone, iPhone Plus, iPhone Pro, iPhone Ultra. Yeah, I I mean, first off, Pro Max is a terrible name. Yes. Ultra is a better name than Pro Max. Way better. Just fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think that Im- it implies feature disparity between the Pro and what is now the Pro Max, which I think is fine, right? They've done that occasionally where it's like, oh, this is a bigger zoom or whatever. But I think 
having a much larger phone and embracing the fact that it can get some features that don't go in the pro and that they can have it be that, you know, it's bigger and better on top of the the pro. I, I like that idea. And I actually think it's less confusing, believe it or not, to have the pro max. It, I think the names pro and pro max, not only do I not like pro max, but like pro and pro max, there's almost an implication that they're the same phone, right? Just like the, yep. the, uh, the, the iPhone and iPhone plus, and they're not always right. Occasionally the big phone is different. This was true back in the, in the plus phone days too. So if you look at the Apple watch and you see ultra Apple watch, I, I feel like it maybe makes it a little clearer that this is not the same feature set as the Pro. It's got some other stuff going on. And um, if they want to go there, I mean, obviously, it's going to push some people up to buy that phone because it's got the best features. That I think that's already yep. been the case. But to make it clearer and to get rid of the name Pro Max, like, well, I'll sign off on the elimination of the, the, the name Pro Max at pretty much regardless. They could call it the iPhone cupcake and I would be like great love it <laughs> let's do it yeah it's not it's not a good name it doesn't sound good to say and it's like confusing and it, yeah it's, it's not something that I enjoy um and this will obviously as well like to mention this is what Samsung did you know so Samsung they split up their product line a little bit more and introduced the ultra which is effectively just like here is a really expensive phone that has a bunch of high-end and or niche features and so at some point, these will come to the other phones. And they continue right. to do this now. So they have the Ultra line of the S20 or the S line, and then they have an Ultra. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could imagine, you remember we spoke about that Periscope camera? Yeah. I could imagine that in its first iteration, potentially being just on the Max phone, on the biggest exactly. phone. Because the more space you have, the better. That's it. That Right. And I think that that is I mean, it allows them to not just have it be about space. It allows them to say, like, we put the finest whatever. Maybe that's the, you know, titanium Mm -hmm. ring and it has different look and it's it it allows them to build something that is um, aspirational and is uh, is like, well, I must have the best. So I must have the ultra and it drives up their selling price. Yeah. But also it has some good like. you know, it, it lets them, okay, look, look at it this way. Um, if, if the pro max is always a hundred dollars above the pro, right? Like we've got a feature that we want to put in our iPhones, but it costs too much and it cuts our margins. And so we don't want to do it. So we're going to leave it out. Mm-hmm. Well, having the ultra phone makes it a lot easier for Apple to say, yeah, we'll put it in the ultra mm-hmm. and it'll cost more because the ultra costs more, but the people who get it will love it. And we'll figure out how to make it cheaper and it'll move down through the price categories. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably never going to be the person who buys an iPhone Ultra, but I like the idea of them starting there because I do think that there are features that Apple holds a year uh, or more because they just can't make them fit inside the price line. You know, the, the they've got their prices and they've got their margins. And you could say, well, they could cut their margins. Like, well, they they do a little bit at the start and then it picks up. But that's Apple's game is the margins are part of it. And they've got some rules that they've laid down saying, here's the prices, here's the margins, what can we make? And if you make an ultra phone, you've got more room to put more expensive components in there. Plus, you've got more space. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, Mike, you're you're seeing the money fly out of your wallet, aren't you? (laughs) I don't even want to think about it. I mean, like, like, I'm already in, you know, like I'm in. I'm always going to get the big one because I like it. Yeah. And to me, I would like, I always would like the biggest phone to have more stuff because I'm paying more money for it. You know, like I, I feel like this is how it has been in the past. 
uh, I think it makes sense. And I will, and I know it's going to bug people who don't want the big phone, but you know, this is, this, I think it makes sense. The one you can charge the most for, put the edge case features into, and eventually they'll filter down to the rest of the line. Plus, just as we talk about, and as we spoke about at the beginning of this conversation, I just like the cleanness of the branding. That each of the four phones yep. has its own name. I just find that to be so clean. Or lack of name in the case of the base model, but yeah. But that's the name. The name is iPhone, right? And like I'm fine with right. that. It'd be like iPhone 15. So it's iPhone 15, iPhone 15 Plus, iPhone 15 Pro, iPhone 15 Ultra. And it's just yep. like, then we can just call them the 15, the Plus, the Pro, and the Ultra. And I just... Mm-hmm. As as a professional technology communicator, I like it when it's easy. Yes, <laughs> you know, iPhone fourteen Pro Max is yeah. way too many things. Yeah. right. Yeah, too many things. They could just get rid of. They just call it Max if they want to. You know what I mean? But like, there's no point in needing two names. It doesn't need two names. Yeah, it never did. It's never made sense. They could call it Max, but Ultra is a cool. They obviously like Ultra for the watch, so it's. I, I think they don't always do it this way, but I think it's always useful to look at all of Apple's products and say what names are in fa- in sort of in favor, mm-hmm. not in fashion, in favor. And uh, what's in the lexicon? What are the words that they've used before? And Ultra is not a new name, right? Because they used it for the the M1 Ultra. Yep. So uh, Ultra is obviously in their vocabulary and is a recent addition, which means it's in favor. Yeah. And the and they they liked it enough to then use it on the Apple Watch. So I think it's logical that they might go there. And yeah, I I just it's sim- it's simpler. Like they. It, and and gives them the ability to say, here's a spread of, of products in a way. So, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. Yep. They have a lot of names in the Hopper right they now, do. right? They have, Maybe a little too many. They have mm. Studio. They have Ultra. They have they do. Uh, Pro. We have, what else we got? Max. Max. And probably mm-hmm. Extreme, right? That's, that was the... Or something... Uh, I've made that joke once. Mark Gurman's called it that too, so who knows, right? But like, there is going to be some kind of name for the biggest chip that goes in the Mac Pro. I have a theory about that. Okay. That one of the things that they might do, it's a half-formed theory, but one of the things they might do is is redefine that as the high-end and not have as many variations in chips. Have it be, you know, basically M2, M2 Pro, M2 Max, M2 Ultra, and that's it. And that one becomes the Ultra, and then everything else and that one, down a little bit. That one is the Ultra, and, and it could even be that that's the Ultra, and 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 the rumors for the... We're not going to get deep down into Max stuff today, but the rumors for that are that that's, that's like an M1 Ultra, except there's two of them. Yeah. So you could, you could even offer M1 Ultra or two M1 Ultras or whatever. Like, you could call it the same thing. Yeah. But you could simplify that a little bit by not adding another item in there. If you didn't want to. Yeah, I think it would be also a lot to have five Mac chips. <laughs> That's five. You know, like we, we're good with four. Yeah. Four is How enough. How many Macs even are there to have all those chips? I mean, you could get rid of the name Max too. Get get rid of the name Max in a chip for Max. Yeah. Please, please. I mean, especially too, right? When there's also, we're going to, we're going to keep making products that have different model number years simultaneously which they're going to keep doing right uh-huh. so you've got yeah if you had five m2 chips and five m1 chips this is like this is a lot of chips that we're potentially selling here so uh mark german says that apple is still working on their iphone subscription service it could still come later this year or early next year 
Mark Gurman suggests that they did not want to push to have this ready now so as not to confuse day one purchases. Mac Rumors suggests that they maybe wanna would want to have this be unveiled on an October event. As a reminder, if you're like, what does this mean? So this is from uh, Mark Gurman's previously reported uh, news on this. The program would differ from an installment program in that the monthly charge wouldn't be the price of the device split across 12 or 24 months. Rather, it would be a yet-to-be-determined monthly fee depending on the device that the user chooses. So you may say, for example, play, pay $25 a month every month forever for an iPhone. Like That's just going to be something you'll do. It's not financing. It's a subscription. Right. And you, you would turn in your old one and get the new one. And, and it wouldn't be one of those things where you pay off your loan, et cetera, et cetera. It would literally be, they would say, you know, now it's time for you to get your new iPhone and return that one and continue to pay or get a new model and pay a little more. But it, that it's just it's mm-hmm. just a, a rental, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, probably there's a version of it that includes Apple One. Or whatever. Uh, I had a couple sure. of questions on this rumor. So Mark Gurman, so he suggested that they didn't want to have it, didn't want to have it like to go now because it could confuse things. But I think like, how would it be different to any other year, right? Like if they ha- if they unveil it at the end of this year, come next year on day one sales, like it's still going to be there as a thing to be more complicated. I think the idea is if you launch this after the the spike of iPhone purchases. You get a t- you get a runway, uh, you know. You get nine months where the iPhone purchases are lower than mm-hmm. they are on day one mm-hmm. to shake out the program before that day comes where the new iPhones come out and you have to deal with this at a at a high level. I think that would be the rationale. Okay, right? Because there there aren't as many people buying iPhones. There are people still buy iPhones all the year, but there's a big spike when the new ones come out. So if you miss the spike, go right after the spike, roll this thing out. You get all of that kind of runway in order to shake out your program before you get the spike again because the spike's going to be painful um, as spikes usually are and uh, and and you get to work out the bugs I think that that may be the idea there yeah right because imagine launching a brand new program that you've never done before on with peak iPhone it's like oh no 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 like work up to that you give yourself some 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 time to figure out all the details and I guess you, you you know, as with all of these things, you don't know exactly what is going to confuse people until it's available, right? Like that you could realize, oh, there's this thing and we could maybe streamline this part of the process and it would be easier for people to understand how to go how to do it. But the the other thing though that was weird to me is if they did announce it this year, I think it is a bit like if they say they did announce it at the October event, say, but like people just bought all their iPhones, you know, it's just like yeah, I, it would make more sense to me to do this like in the spring or something like that. So I, I think if I'm the advocate for this program inside, what I would say is I really would like this up for the holiday. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, although the, the counter argument would probably be, well, yeah, but th- this is a subscription. You're going to give somebody a subscription for their <laughs> that's a terrible present. What are you doing? But I don't know. I don't know. You're right. It, it is. It's weird, right? Because you're gonna you're gonna miss the the spike of really enthusiastic people. But um, what what you're gonna do? But yeah, you're right. You could you could delay it a little bit. People are still gonna be like, oh well, I just bought my iPhone. But it's like, well, we'll get you, we'll get you next time. Or they or they have a buy in kind of right. They'll be like, well, yeah, but you'll trade that one in and then go on this plan, and then you know you'll have you'll have the money that that we we traded you in for mm. applied to the plan, and now you've 
you know, now you're on the plan and it runs until September and then you get the new phone and then it all works out or something like that. I don't know. It's tricky. Yep. And Ming-Chi Kuo is, is reporting today that the iPhone 14 and 14 Plus are currently seeing slower pre-order sales than the 13 and 13 mini, but the Pro and Pro Max are selling better than their predecessors. Hmm. Now, the thing about this is this isn't really actually like information information. Like, so Quo is like looking, he's like talking to people he knows and looking at the way the orders are shaking out right now, like from the stores. He, no one actually really knows this information, but let's just assume that this is correct. It's interesting, but isn't, wouldn't Apple's ideal always be sell more of the most expensive ones? Yeah, I think the question is so. So yes, right? Like it shows that the mix. Uh, what do they say in the in the calls? Favorable mix. Um, sure. Having the more expensive products be the ones that are selling better is good for Apple, and it might say something about the appeal of the the camera and the dynamic island that they're peeling. They're peeling more people off of the lower end product because the higher end product is so much more high end than it used to be, right? Because it's got the faster chip. And it's got the better camera and it's got the dynamic island and it's got like, it's like, oh, and it's like always on screen. So it's like, oh, so many things in there. And so you tip over into, I guess I'll get the pro instead of the non-pro. The other way to look at it is that the uh, lower end model not getting a chip update and missing a bunch of other features and being kind of a less exciting update means that while the pro buyers are very happy to buy the 14 pro the people who are not pro buyers are looking at the 14 and are unmoved and so that's the question right it, it does this little data point mean that people have shifted to the pro and pro max or does it just mean that a bunch of people also just dropped out of the low-end phones and that's a that that was always Apple's gamble with this. I mean, we yep. talked about it last week, and I, I keep laughing at the moxie of them to sort of claim retro retroactively that their strategy going forward was their strategy last year of having the lower end model. But this is the year where they have to grit their teeth and and use very specific language to not talk about why they're using the exact same chip with one more GPU. Uh, as they did last year, uh, but going forward, these phones will move in lockstep, and they'll they'll both get a you know an upgrade from the previous year. But this year, they didn't, and so it, it's a it's a risk that they're taking that that iPhone 14 doesn't appeal. That said, again, most people who buy iPhones are not buying on a one year cycle; they're buying on a two or three or four year cycle. At which point, the 14 is the latest model, and it's and it is a big upgrade from the. 10 or 10s or 11 this episode is brought to you by our friends over at fitbod between balancing work family and everything else you've got going on in your life it can sometimes be hard to make fitness a priority what you need is a program that will work with you and not against you and that's why you need fitbod their algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will craft a personalized exercise plan that is unique to you. Their app is incredibly easy to learn every exercise. They have these wonderful HD video tutorials that are shot from multiple angles, and with their instructions too, it makes it so simple to learn the new exercises that you're going to be doing. These exercises that will be created for you by a wonderful algorithm that they've made to make sure that the exercises that you're going to be doing will work for you and they're going to stick with you. 
They, they use data to create and adjust this dynamic fitness plan for you. You'll have instant access to your own personalized routine from anywhere using their app, so you're able to make the progress on your goals whenever you want to. Personal fitness shouldn't always be about competing with people. If you find something that really works for you individually, that's when it sticks and you'll start to see the results that you're looking for. Because everybody has their own fitness path. Fitbod does all of this work to try and make sure that they customize one to actually fit to your own needs. They track your muscle recovery to make sure that everything's balanced with a variety of exercises so you're not overworking anything. And no matter how much you work out, whether it's multiple times a week, maybe even every day, maybe multiple times a day, they're going to make sure that they learn from every workout that you do so your next will be even better. I love how it integrates with the Apple Watch so I can advance through the exercises as I'm going so I don't need to be looking at my phone if I don't want to. They also integrate with Wear OS smartwatches and other third-party apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year, but you can get 25% off your membership if you sign up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade and you will get that 25% off. That is F-I-T-B-O-D.me slash upgrade and you will get 25% off your membership. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. So it's been a busy week. There's been a lot going on. Yeah. There are a couple of things <laughs> yeah. that I wanted to touch on that I thought were interesting, mm-hmm. you know, like little tidbits of information. Um, and yeah. then I, I think that we have a couple of bigger topics that we wanted to talk about in reflection uh, since the event last week. So one of these was uh, I wished that the phones would get the new GPS technology that's in the Ultra Watch. So this is like yeah. a dual-frequency GPS, which means it can operate better in cities of tall buildings. Turns out the Pro phones are getting that feature. So I'm really excited about this. Like We had a, a short layover in Chicago for various reasons that I can't get into at the moment, but we'll do at some point in the future. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's like a whole thing. And yeah. um we, strange, strange I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll okay. tell you about it later. I, I feel okay. I really wish I wouldn't have said it. Now. Nevertheless, uh, so we're in Chicago. Chicago is a city with tons of skyscrapers, and we were just trying mm-hmm. to get from our hotel to a restaurant, and we ended up like getting turned around a bit because the GPS just struggled. And I was like, "Oh man, I cannot wait to have this feature." Because uh, you know, I live yeah. in London, so I'm frequently in the city, right? And it's GPS just gets very confused, and so I love the idea of having a better thing here. Yeah, well, and and I mean, a- the fact that Apple tried to solve this with like hold your camera up and it'll try to figure out by matching the buildings yeah. where you are. It's like woo, or you could use this new uh, GPS frequency and that is hopefully less interfered with, and that's that's great. I'm glad that they're doing this. I, a question I have that that is about the the phone and the watch really is they talked about um, having a hard time acquiring signal also when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And I know there was a lot of misunderstanding. Um, I can't believe I'm breaking the seal on this again, but there was this. So when the iPhone got GPS in the first place, which was a long time ago, people kept saying it was a GPS, which is assisted GPS, which it is. And people were saying, well, what that means is uh, you. it's not real GPS. It's fake GPS. It comes from the cell tower, which is not true. The way assisted GPS works if anybody has ever used a standalone GPS that has no data connectivity whatsoever, um, one of the challenges with it 
is it doesn't know where it is in the world. And so it has to sit there and triangulate among GPS satellites until it knows where it is in the world. And it's got to it's gotta go from anywhere to a very specific place. And assisted GPS is great because the cell tower knows exactly where it is. And so it can look at the cell towers it sees. It knows vaguely where it is. And that's good enough that it can get a GPS lock almost instantaneously because it's not looking in the whole world. It's looking in a very specific place. It's very clever. You don't, but you don't need the cell towers. If you're out of range, it will figure out where you are. So my question is, especially for the Ultra Watch, but it's also true for the iPhone, is is this new, and I don't know the answer, but is this new GPS frequency, is it also helpful in getting GPS lock on faster if you're not near a cell tower? And I don't know the answer to that one. Hmm. I mean, I could say it's probably not going to do us. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would think I would think this is the the new new frequency and 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 maybe maybe it's better at that. But uh but yeah, it's it's either way. I love it because old GPS. It's funny how we've come to rely on GPS too. That's a that's a thing that in 20 years has just completely massive changed in the massive. world. So uh so better GPS and they list all the different GPS uh networks that it's capable of looking at too and there are like five of them because there's some some uh, western ones and there's also like the russian one and the chinese one and it's like it's uh it's good it's good as reported by Stephen aquino the iphone now has a boot up chime yep it's optional yep um but Sounds and good, Stephen aquino of accessibility advocate yeah it's it's a fun idea and also if you're somebody who can't see the see the boot screen uh, for accessibility How would you know your purposes, rebooted, right? That's, that's and I got to tell you, I mean, all of us have dealt with this on iOS devices, right? It's like, is it off yet? Can I turn it back on? Especially if you're trying to shut it down and yep. then reboot it. Like, is it has it is it gone yet? Is it is it on now? <laughs> so having a little audio note to say, okay, I'm I'm shutting down or I'm awake, I'm back. Is uh, it's cool. That's a cute little sound. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a fun thing to add, and if. It helps people in these situations, like fantastic, right? Like this wins all around. This one was weird yeah. to me. The Nike watch faces are now a part of WatchOS nine. They are not exclusive to Nike watch models anymore. I got one on my watch right now. And I don't Woo! understand why they've done this. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. Like I can't get the Hermes one. I think Nike. Um... I don't know. I think maybe Nike's just uh, likes likes if you want to brand with Nike oh. on regular uh, Apple watches. Good, good follow up from Zach. They don't do Nike watch models anymore. That would be why. <laughs> so there you go. That's the answer. Solved. I, I didn't know that. I All that. watches are Nike watches now, and they have Nike bands. But they they do Nike bands, but they don't do a Nike watch. Interesting. I missed that. I mean, that makes sense actually. I think that makes sense. You know, just just sell the bands, yeah. have the watch faces. Do you don't need to do a Nike watch anymore. Well, that that would explain it, but it is still interesting, right? That now you can just get them all. It's like, why not go for it? As we're recording today, like iOS WatchOS isn't out yet. I don't think it'll be coming out at some point soon. I think probably before we end up finish our recording today. I'm really yeah. looking forward to the Metropolitan Watch Face uh, in WatchOS Nine. It looks so good. I'm really excited about it. I, I haven't said this anywhere, but I'll say it here. I'm really disappointed in the upgrade they did to the Utility Face which is one of my favorite oh, no. faces because the, what they didn't do is add all the complications that are available on other faces. Like, uh, cause the California face can be made to look a lot like the utility face, but it's not quite as good. And they, all they've added some modern complications. It's basically they, they, you can't put one on the top of the circle. 
like you can in California. And on the bottom, it's got a it's got one long circular, uh, you know, partial arc of a complication instead of the two corner complications. And it's just it's too bad they like they updated it, but only a little bit. It's better than it was, but I think I'm going to end up sadly continuing to use uh, California with my, you know, to make it look as much like the other one as possible because they really didn't do a good enough job with utility. So I'm bummed out by that. But I do have a Nike face now, and that was fun. Although it, when I added the Nike face, um, it it uh, I think it crashed, and so I ended oh, up wow. with my watch face was blank. Um, and I could use, I could press the side button and like use apps. But when I went back to the watch face, it was just nothingness until I rebooted. And then it was fine. They wanted you to just do it, you know? I just rebooted. Yeah. Just, re- just reboot it. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Apple Watch Ultra is shipping with a braided Apple Watch cable. I just want Apple to do all braided cables. I love the braided cables. I j- just do all braided cables now, please. No, I no think, more plastic. I think that's... Rubber. That's where they're going. Yeah. That's where they're going, I hope right? So. I think it's only a matter of time. Everything is slowly creeping toward braided cables. I'm sure that they'll get there eventually. Especially now they don't include the chargers, right? So, like, right. give me a good cable if you're not going to give me the brick. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I think. Except in, except in Brazil, I guess. Hi, Brazil. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I think that it's a trend. I think they will eventually get there with every product. Hmm. It's a, Honestly, it feels so much nicer that it gives it that high end feel. I can't. I can't imagine that uh, Apple would would not want their cables to feel better than your average generic cable. Mm-hmm. It's been a long. It's been a long process for the. I feel for the people who are in charge of cables at Apple because the first thing they got hit with was the taking all of the bad chemicals out of their plastic, which took all the like supple. Uh, plastic cables and made them all stiff and awful mm-hmm. and, and and like there was a period where you started getting apple cables and you're like why is this so terrible and the answer is well we took out all the harmful chemicals <laughs> that made it nice uh which is good like good for you but the end result was that the cables were, were crappy um and now with this uh with the braided cables uh, my apple you know cables when i get a braided one it's like ooh, like you notice how nice it is and they need to do that on every cable they sell and remember last week we were talking a little bit about, about like what does the H2 chip do in the AirPods Pro? Like it felt a little mm-hmm. bit confusing at the time. One of the things that I totally missed from the keynote, I think I was too uh, distracted by the severance cameo, was adaptive transparency mode. So it's a right. new transparency mode, like it's more advanced. And this is a quote from... Um, from Apple on device processing that reduces loud environment sounds like a siren construction work or loudspeakers at a concert without silencing noise entirely. So I know I've experienced a version of this with the current AirPods that like a police car drives by and I can hear the siren get dimmed. But if they've done something to make this better, I'm all into this. Like I'm very excited to try this out. So I guess it's like, cause now they've, they've rebranded it right now. We have active noise cancellation an adaptive transparency mode. So like, I find that interesting. Okay, so I like this idea. I wonder if it's like, uh, you know, just trying to reduce the dynamic range of some sounds. Yeah, yeah. So that, that the really loud stuff just gets gets quieter. Yep. Because the I read this and I think a siren, like if you're in transparency mode, you want to hear the siren, right? Because it may be coming for you (laughs) you might want to might want to know that the the siren is approaching get to the side of the road do whatever you're doing 
so you wouldn't want to remove that stuff completely. But I, the idea that it's processing it to reduce the dynamic range and maybe also do things like amplify voices or something like that. I like it's a it, it's a continuing process for them. This is augmented reality, right? This is the audio version of augmented reality, and they're they're trying to find ways to adjust uh, adjust this to improve that mode, which I love. I love that mode. Um, so, so great. Like I'm looking forward to this. I, I, I'm going to end up with these AirPods pro. It's just a matter of when, but, uh, as somebody who I, so when I take a, a, a walk or a run, I am sometimes on paths and sometimes on street. And so when I'm on street, I have transparency mode on because I want to hear if there's a car coming or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I use both of these, both of these modes a lot. Uh, there was some stuff that I wanted to, we were thinking about talking about today um, around like some bigger themes that I think you were touching on. One of them being kind of around the eSIM, right? Uh, yeah, well, I, I just I was thinking about how and this is in my like bin of things I want to write about. It's great to go out of the summer and you go from uh, what am I going to talk about or write about to I have too many things. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what happens when Apple holds an event. And one of them is. Apple always does this, right? Where they're like, we found this technology and we think it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and be like, we're going to this, right? Whether it's, we're going to take the headphone jack away or, you know, but but they, they've done this a bunch of times where they're like, yeah, we're going to standardize on this thing now. USB-C a little bit too early, but they're like, too bad. We're going to do this now. And that's what struck me about the eSIM is... The eSIM thing in the U.S., that that strikes me as Apple. I mean, maybe it's the carriers providing some pressure for them. I don't know the dynamic there, or or are they providing pressure on the carriers? I, I'm unclear on it. But it, it seems to be one of those things where, yes, there are complications. There are a whole bunch of people afterward who are like, but what about? But what about? You know, but yeah. what about if I travel to, to, to a place that doesn't support eSIMs? What do I do then? And Apple's reaction is like, you know, stay on your carrier then because your carrier will support roaming. And, but this is where we're going. And the only reason they're not selling the eSIM only model elsewhere in the world is that the eSIM uptake is not as great there. And I, I feel like this is all part of Apple. It just felt right out of their playbook of like, this technology is the right one. It's the, it's the inevitable future. Somebody needs to step up and just say, forget it. We're done with the SIM card. And there's a tangible, maybe not in this version because they have to make two versions, but there's a tangible benefit for Apple in getting that thing out because it is a, it is another water ingress. It is something internal in the phone where they have to leave space for it, like, it, and they can get rid of it. And and if you think about it, as we said last week, regular SIM cards are dumb, right? They, they, if you if you thought about it today, they're like floppy disks. They're not. They're not necessary. It's a relic. I get that they have their uses, but it is a relic that, that that no one would invent smartphones today and say, "Well, what we need is a special slot where a little tiny memory card with almost nothing on it, except an ID number, gets inserted, and that's the only way you can." Like, no, nobody would ever do that. So I appreciated that, and it it has some sort of a resonance for me of other moves that Apple has made that have been a little bit uncomfortable. But I think Apple does have this attitude sometimes, which is, I know people. People are going to be uncomfortable, but if we listen to the people who are uncomfortable, the change will never happen and the change needs to happen. So here we go. Like I've resisted. I, I, I don't have an eSIM. I still have a physical SIM in my phone. And when I start reviewing these new phones, well, guess what? I, I'm going to eSIM because I'm not going to have another option. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what Apple wants is to shove people like me into the eSIM future. Again, I'll report next week. I'll tell you how it went for me. But like in theory, I have no problem with this 
because it seems like there's like a very simple path, and I'm sure things fall through the cracks, but things fall through the cracks all the time when it comes to carrier stuff, right? But if the process is as simple as you can just put the, t- the phones near each other and it just transfers the information and gets you set up, if it is that simple, great, right? Like, I have no problem with that. And then I don't have to deal with this tiny little card and keep a SIM, yeah. like, card ejector tool around and, like, do all that nonsense. Yeah, my first uh, real experience with eSIMs was when um, when my daughter went to uh, Europe this summer for school. She did a school mm-hmm. um, study abroad summer program. And so I'm looking at the AT&T, you know, very convenient $15 a day roaming international, which is better than it used to be, but it's still for, for a month plus is not great. Uh, and you can get, you know, I was able to buy her an eSIM for Europe that was super cheap. And the eSIM support on iOS is so good because you can add, you can load in your eSIM and then toggle like which one does data and which one does phone and you can have them both on, you can have them both off. I I knew all of this, but to see it in action, I was just really impressed by it. And it's so, it's so nice. And I would imagine that on one level, the carriers hate it because it's like, it's instant access to a different carrier. On another level, though, I suspect the carriers like it because it means the carriers can control, uh, you know, can control what, or at least know what you're doing on your phone at a level, at a software level, instead of just like what I imagine it is now, where if I move my SIM card to a different phone and I turn it on, then the carrier's like, well, this is a different phone, but SIM card checks out. So, okay. I don't know. I don't know whether the carriers love it or hate it, but it's certainly just so, so good for for users. It really is mm-hmm. great. Uh, it feels like, you know, it's freedom. It, it's it's freedom to move. Like to, I told Jamie, like, okay, it's loaded. Turn it on when you get there and turn off your American SIM and you're good, right? And, and I said, you can leave your phone on if you want to, but leave the data off or you can just turn the whole thing off and leave the the eSIM on. It's very, very cool stuff. And, you know, you can you can buy those in apps and install them. So for travel, it's great. Like, yeah, it's it's really good tech. And uh, my fear is that the carriers are going to be bad at it. Um, but I feel like it's been out there long enough now that maybe I've just avoided the badness. Well, but they can't be in the long term, right? Like, if this right, is what Apple's they, doing, can't avoid it. they have to get good at it. And this is one of the things that Apple has done over time is like force the carriers to be better because the scale is so large, you know? Like, so yeah, I, I have no doubt that it's going to, it will push. And, and I'm, I'll just do it forever then, right? Like, if this works for me, this process for transferring, I'm sure Apple will probably roll it out in future phones, but even if they don't, I'll just stay yeah. on the eSIM wagon forever. Like, it is, a, it is mm-hmm. a system which makes way more logical sense to me in 2022 than a tiny little piece of plastic with some copper on it that I stick into the side of my phone. Yeah, no, it's it's like I, I said. I said SIM cards were dumb, and a couple of people wrote it, and they're like, "But what about this? But what about this?" It's like, yeah, I know that it's problematic in certain circumstances to go to an eSIM right now. Like, I get it, but just objectively, we should not have them. They just they're, they're they're dumb. They're old. They're outmoded. They're they made them smaller and smaller and smaller. But the last step is to make them nothing. Right? That's <laughs> the final step here because they need to go away. They're a relic of, uh, you know, early twenty first, if not twentieth century technology. They need to they need to die. 
And there was also like a couple of interesting things around kind of Apple's uh, marketing spin, right? Like the A15, yeah, Bionic stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Where is the chip lab? Is the yeah. is the note that I wrote down? It's like I got to write about where is the chip lab, and it's like I I predicted on the you know in the draft I said we'll see the chip lab because I always see the chip lab, and we didn't see the chip lab, and it's so telling. I know I covered this a little bit earlier, but like it's so telling that we didn't see it because there's no chip story really. Like uh, Apple. And they they used the graphic, which I'm I appreciate that they did, which is that they're so far ahead in in smartphone chips that honestly they're years ahead now. And they they had that that with the eleven iPhone eleven being faster than the fastest competition, which I haven't double checked that, but if it's not the eleven, it's the twelve. They lapped the competition a long time ago with their chips, and so I don't. It's it's one thing where it's like okay, they had to do Mac stuff. Mm-hmm. which probably slowed the pace. They they don't need to go ahead. They probably got new processes coming from TSMC. I mean, this one's on the on the smaller process, but there's more in the works there. There's probably a larger chip platform update coming. There are some rumors to that effect. There's a lot going on in Apple's chip making process. So taking some time and taking not stopping but like taking your foot off the gas is not unreasonable for them to do. The problem is, from a marketing perspective, you still have to market these products as new and exciting. And one of the ways you've always done that is with chips. Uh, so here they're like comparing it to the competition and they're uh, they're doing things like talking about, well, there's a new, like they mentioned the new system and package on the Apple Watch in one context for like the SE, but they didn't really mention it in any other context. And it's unclear whether that's actually faster or it's really about the sensors and they did their little sophistry with the, the oh it's upgrading to the pro phone, pro processor from last year and it's like yeah but you introduced that processor last year on the on the base model too it just had one lower one you know one fewer gpu so you, there's a little like oh no it's uh, it's new slightly and then the a16 or i mean the a15 is like uh so we've got this we've got this very weird combination where it's like we've got two chips. One is not new, really, and one is new in an it's new-ish, right? Like even the claims about the new chip on the new process are pretty vague, right? And I get the sense and I think this is right if you look at how they marketed it, I get the sense that the real innovations in the new chip are about supporting the new camera architecture not as much about raw speed. And like, again, it's okay. They're so far ahead that taking a break is okay. I just, I'm, I I wanted to note the marketing challenge it causes because, you know, that was the, the look at the faster chips, look at the faster GPUs. Let's do some game demos of games you'll never play on your phone was such a staple of iPhone marketing. And when you take a year with your foot off the gas for the chip part, you got to work harder in other areas, which mm. I, I I just think it's an interesting place that they're in. I do think that it, you know, as we spoke about last time, it just it, to me it just makes sense to not need to have a new chip in the iPhone every year. Like it doesn't need to keep being pushed so specifically. Like at least every iPhone, and I understand that right. maybe now there is like, well, if they want a new Mac chip every year, maybe they have to work on a new iPhone chip every year. But I still don't think that we're at a point at the moment where all of these devices require more, more, more all the time when the power is already so good, right? 
I also think, I mean, they did last year, remember they did the the launch and they talked about compared to the competition and we all ha- had to figure like, oh, well, it's not going to be faster. And it actually was faster. They weren't trying to hide it. I wonder now if maybe that was setting the stage for this year that they said, look, we, look at our roadmap. You can see where we're going. We're going to change the narrative now to be how far ahead we are of the competition because we know that we're doing some changing in our in our chip strategy that's going to mean if we're constantly comparing to ourselves we're going to look bad. And again, I'm not saying they're trying to well, okay. I am saying they're trying to get away with something, but I'm not saying that it's bad. I I think that part of the motivation is like I could hear that people in the meeting saying, well, look, raw CPU and GPU is not where we're focused in the next chip. And the A16, it's going to be all about the the ISP and, and working with that giant camera. And we're doing a bunch of stuff for that. And the general public is going to be like, oh, look at Apple. The GPU and CPU didn't really progress very much. And this is kind of a loser. And they probably will do that anyway, right? But like Apple doesn't want to lean into that. So they make some decisions about how they're going to do it. And yes, they did start this process uh, last year to get off the... I get it, right? Like they're not competing with themselves. Mm -hmm. So to compare themselves to themselves and come up short is actually not, you know, what they want to do. I mean, we f- we focus on upgrades here for obvious reasons. Yes, and also in the Apple in the Apple world, like you're going from iPhone to iPhone. But like if the bigger picture is also expanding the iPhone and dunking on the competition, well, you do that by comparing the iPhone 11 to the competition and saying, look how far ahead we are. Not, and then look at the A15 and A16, not saying 8% faster than last year because- nobody's upgrading from last year except our listeners and it's not the point right the point is upgrading from two three four years ago and from android phones and so if you're looking to get the best marketing message out there that's got to be what you what you want to do so i get what they're doing i just am i'm fascinated by the fact that they have to do it and it's also a case right where the mac has stolen some of the thunder of the iphone here and i i you know, that's the truth of it, right? Is that they have so much to brag about the last couple of years on the Mac. Um, but I feel like this is the other, you know, I don't know how directly connected they are, but they're doing a lot less bragging about it on the iPhone than they <laughs> than they used to. And they're doing a lot of bragging on the Mac side. So it makes me wonder if maybe that's the, uh, that's the trade-off that they had to do. They're like so far ahead that they can afford to spend that time uh, showing off these Mac specific processors. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Member4, the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience and used by the biggest creators on the web. We use it here at Relay FM to power our membership program. We talk about Upgrade Plus. We use Member4 for that. With Member4, we're able to, and you can too, generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. So Member4 is the platform that we have used here at Relay FM to, to power our membership program for years. Um, before we did the big relaunch in 2020, we'd be using them as well. But they added so many new features that it really gave us like a good platform to grow from. So like things like a Discord integration, the private podcast feeds. Uh, they added a bunch of stuff on the back end to help and make it easier for us to track everything that was going on. Uh, they have the newsletter thing now too, which is even better because we don't need to have a third party provider to send out our monthly email newsletter to our members. It really is amazing. It's so easy for us to generate that extra revenue uh, and deliver bonus content to our members as well. So it's great for our business and I think it's great for our listeners. If you're already producing content that relies on advertising or some other means of income, Member4 can make it easy for you to diversify 
simplify that with everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. You can also, uh, as I said, you can send those paid email newsletters, right? But you can even have them uh, on a memberful hosted members only website so people can go and read previous issues, for example. There's no additional fee for this when signed up for memberful's pro or premium plans, so you'll be saving money compared to other hosted newsletter platforms. If you're a content creator, memberful can help you monetize your passion. Get started for free at memberful.com slash upgrade. No credit card required. That's memberful.com slash upgrade. Go there right now and check it out. This could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. So today, iOS 16 comes out. And I yeah. wanted to touch on a couple of little things with you. I mean, of course, okay. uh, the reviewer of reviews is over at MacStories.net. Um, did you say that Dan was working on something for Six Colors? Yeah, Dan's got a review going up at Six Colors too. It'll probably be up by the time people hear this. Awesome. So you can go and check that out on Six Colors as well. In fact, so in fact, there it definitely will be because it's up right now. There you go. So so say it, so say it be done. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, that's right. Breaking, Thanks, breaking. Review posted. Thank you, Dan. See, look, you might be a new dad, but he can still get the review up on time. You know? That's oh he did. This is his he's back, everybody. He's back. Dan's back, baby. Better watch out. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but you better. <laughs> he's Dan's back and he's coming to get you. I don't know why I'm I'm he's coming to review your iOS. <laughs> he's gonna do it. Uh so I wanted to just cut, touch on a couple of things. Obviously, we've been using iOS 16 for most of the beta cycle, right? I, I put it yep. on pretty early, uh, because I was excited about it. And you know, I think for me, there are four things that i am excited about um that are kind of the bigger elements so it's the lock screens the focus mode changes the enhancements to messages and the home app redesign so they're they're the things that i'm really excited about there's a bunch of stuff that i'm also excited about but it's not shipping right now stuff like live activities Mm. and the free format it's like i want to know what that's all about uh icloud photo sharing Photo shared library. What's it called? iCloud shared photo library. Shared photo library. It's right. not f- photo sharing. That's a different thing. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's stuff that I want that's coming later, but there's still enough stuff for now. I, have, I haven't I have tried uh, the watch OS beta, as I mentioned earlier, so I'm excited for that. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, the medications feature. I really like that in iOS 16 as well. I think that's been a nice uh, addition. Uh, how have you been setting up your lock screen? What have you got going on on it? Uh, I have the, I don't have a lot of them. I've been primarily just using one. I need to do more of that, uh, customization. Cause I've got a bunch of little things. I mean, now's the time though, right? Cause you know, the, the, we've been on betas, but now as of today, there are loads of apps that are coming out supporting lock screen widgets. There's apps that I right. use a lot that I've not been on the beta for, but I, I'm looking forward to trying them out. And I've got that. I just, I, you know, I, I don't have like, I don't switch among my many lock screens and I'm not using focus in order to change that. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I, that, that's something that may change maybe, uh, using the always on screen. I might experiment with that, but on my yes. iPhone, mm-hmm. um, right now, you know, what I've been doing is I picked a, you know, I, I picked a space photo as I often do for my lock screen and I have, uh, the widgets I've got right now, I'm using Carrot, which has widgets that are coming out, I think, in the final version today. Um, but I've been on the beta for that. 
Uh, and so I've got a little thing on the left side, right below my uh, time, that mm-hmm. is next three days weather forecast. And then on the right side, I have a little circular widget that is uh, out of the scriptable app <laughs> that is literally just the temperature on my home weather station. Right. So I can actually see the current temperature at a glance at my lock screen, which I love, but I'm not, uh, that's all I'm kind of doing on the lock screen right now. So I changed my lock screen image. So I'd used kind of photos of things or abstract things for a while. Um, but there was something about, I was actually using an like an illustration that my wife Adina had made for a birthday gift for me. I was using that as my lock screen for a while. But there was something about the new design to me that really spoke to having a person. Uh, like, you know, I, I think this new lock screen is really focused, I think, a lot about like people or pets. I think is like the key thing that they're going for. Yeah, people and pets. Um, yep. And so like at first I just wanted to see like, you know, if I, I had a picture of my wife and I, and I put, you know, so I could see like, oh, the time goes behind her head or whatever. But then over time it was like, no, I think this works really nicely. Um, so I've, I've moved to that now and I expect that will be for me going forward. It will be pictures of people again. Uh, I really like the clock customization. So I changed my clock to the, uh, Apple's New York font. So, that, you know, people think about San Francisco a lot, but Apple has a font called New York, which is a serif font. And I love it. Uh, and I've been using that um, as my clock. I then have uh, the the kind of the top one where it was, you know, it has like the date or whatever. I've put um, Fantastical up there. So that's really great because it has the day, the date, and then also my next event, which I just think is a fantastic thing to have above the clock. It's like, that's brilliant. Then I also have Kara. I have the kind of forecast one. So at the moment, it tells me the high and low temperature and what the conditions are for the day. Uh, then I have two of the circular ones. Currently, I'm, I'm running a, an app, which is in, if you're in our members Discord, some of our incredible RelayFM members built an app to track the St. Jude fundraiser. And it has widgets, and this year has all of the sub-campaigns and all that kind of stuff in it. And they also have lock screen widgets, so I can see right now that we are 37% to our fundraising goal. Um, And then I also have uh, a widget smith widget, because you can imagine, underscore, you know, it's got the widgets, you know, it's what he does. does. And I have one for step counting there too. So I like to have my step counting right there on the front. I was playing around with having the activity rings there for a while right? Because Apple shipped that, which I think is really cool. But I have those on my watch. So I thought, oh, I don't really need the activity so prominent, but I do like to know my step count. So I'll put that there for now. But I think I heard Federico talking about this. And I'm not, I have no doubt that it's in his review. I haven't gotten very far into it yet. But because I was hearing him talk about on app stories, that there is a level of kind of shaking out. If you, if you wear an Apple watch, what things do you replicate or not? Right, right. because I have my step counting on my Apple Watch too, so I probably don't need it on the lock screen, maybe. So I'm going to like play around now with some of the other stuff that's right. coming out and see if there's something that I would want to put in its place. But there's a ton of great apps c- coming out with these widgets in them. Mm-hmm. And like this is it for me. Now I'm wondering, do I want to have multiple lock screens? Because I'm using the focus modes now more than ever because it's so easy right. to set them up now. The, the setup process is simple. You know, by default, it includes everything in. You can have that as an option, and then you can just remove the things you don't want to be in the focus mode. So I now have like regular focus mode. I have a recording focus mode, a travel focus mode, weekends, and sleep. 
and I have those mostly firing off on automations and it changed my lock screens uh, to have different apps on them. And I'm thinking I will also have them eventually change my uh, lock screen for the uh, for the phone too with different complication widgets or whatever you call them. And I think most of that's going to shake out with the always-on display. So when I'm recording, usually at home, I have a dock on my desk where my phone stands in it. So now when I'm in my recording focus, I guess I will probably would like to have some, I don't know what they would be, right? But I pick some widgets maybe that would match that. Maybe I'll have like the time tracking one from Timery up there or something. Oh, yeah. Right? Because it's going to be always on, right? So that, I think that's going to change the way I think about wanting more access. Like I think I would like maybe a couple more of these widgets on the lock screen. I think just like the three in that little bar or like four if you use the circle ones. I wouldn't mind a, another row, but maybe that's too much. I don't know. No, I, I think that... Um... I think the challenge is Apple's like, no, 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 you only really get this one row and, mm -hmm. and the top line and that's it. And I think I think Apple is going to need to accept that people might want more of these. And uh, I'm not asking for a free form widget dropping tool on the lock screen, but more space for more widgets would be welcome. Yeah. I would like to see them. In fact, okay, I'm going to make another wild suggestion here, which is, you know how the flashlight and the camera are down at the bottom? Yeah. Those are circular widgets. There should be more widget space down there. You should be able to add or remove the flashlight and the calendar or the ca the camera and put other widgets down there and have that be another widget space down at the bottom, uh -huh. I think. Or let me change those. Or, yeah, whatever. But would, like that would be but... a place that, that wouldn't overdo it. And they are they are very similar to widgets. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I wouldn't, you know, but that feels like a, that's a free iOS 17 or iOS 18 feature, right? Like, <laughs> to add those in. And also put them on the iPad at that point, right, next oh, year, which yeah. is going to be, mean, all the iPad review, uh, iPad OS reviews next month are going to be very sad that this feature doesn't exist yeah. on the iPad, because the iPad could totally use it, it would be really nice, and they're like, no, 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 we can't design more than one lock screen at a time. So for me, like, the focus modes and the lock screens and the home screens they're all tying together quite nicely and i'm looking forward to tinkering a little bit more with the lock screen stuff as my needs change with it with messages i just really like that i can edit my messages it's just a simple thing you know but i have a habit of spelling mistakes because i type fast and don't look and just press send all the time that's my main issue is i don't proofread my messages who's got time uh, for that but sometimes i then send them like oh man that's such a simple error i could just change that rather than sending a second message you know to right to say oh no like asterisk and then the actual word i meant to say it's a simple thing mm -hmm. but i'm just happy that they've added it like the the edit the, the retraction thing like the, the the deletion i don't think that's so much of a thing for me um i mean i guess if i ever need it i'll be happy that i have it but the editing is is what i'm pretty excited about and i'm looking forward to it being on all my devices and all of the people that i send messages to having ios 16 right because at the moment i've been a little hesitant to use it because it then sends the second iMessage where it's like message edited and then it has the new message like it's a bit clunky so i look forward to that being more seamless once everybody's using ios 16 yeah i like edited uh, messages are, are something that I'm very slowly starting to work into my my message 
brain, right? Like saying, mm-hmm. okay, I oh, I made a mistake there. This happened to me just the other day. I made a mistake and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit the message to correct the mistake. And I know that if you're on an older OS, you're just going to get Jason edited the message to say. But uh, I was talking to somebody who I was pretty sure was on the beta and I did that. And it's like, this is better. Like this is, that that's really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a good feature. Uh, and I love the home app. The home app redesign is so much cleaner. It looks better. The information density is way better. I like that I have customization better than I did before. Something I didn't know, it was it was in a Mac Rumors article that I was reading about some of the delayed features, is that there was also a reference to an updated architecture for the home app that apparently is not in this shipping version of iOS 16. That is also coming later. So that's good because, it, hey, if it gets even more reliable because of this, I'm not going to complain. Uh, and then I still cross my fingers for matter to make my life better whenever <laughs> whenever it ships and bring right. all my home stuff together. I wonder if those are related too. But that's also, I think, related to the idea of the new architecture is going to be the one that isn't supported on the iPad. And what they're going to do is let people stay on the old architecture if they only have an iPad to use as a home hub instead of an Apple TV or a HomePod mm-hmm. mini. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, uh, uh, otherwise that that's there's stuff going on in the background right like clearly they don't have it all all together um but yeah the home app's better it is better it's not you know it's not fantastic but it's a lot better yeah i like it a lot it's it's cleaned up a lot of the things that annoyed me the most about the home app um you know just like very quickly getting to certain things like you have that button you can tap and see all the lights and you can just hit all the lights you know it's just stuff like that i i, I just think it's cleaner yeah. uh, and i like it a lot um, is there anything else in iOS 16 that has really been jumping out to you? Well, the um, so shared photo libraries, I'm still working on it. I'm still playing with it. Um, it's going to be great. It's not in the shipping version because, <laughs> okay, just to be clear here, if you're using a beta and you put something in the shared photo library and then you go to a device that's not on the beta, those items disappear. Mm. <laughs> They're just not there. So that's not great. So, yeah, so I think they're working for a time where they're going to turn that feature on for everybody so that everybody can use it and everybody can see it. And you'll still have that thing where you're like, okay, we got to update to see this thing, but it'll be more in sync than it is now. I, I like it. I think it's actually very good. I think they were very, very smart and careful in what they were doing, trying to be aware of all the different use cases that go beyond uh, people saying, yes, share my every photo I take with this other person in my life. Because while that is a use case, and that's probably my use case, um, there are a lot of other use cases where you only want to share certain things. I can, like, my daughter would never agree to take all of her photos and share them with us. But having the option of her throwing photos uh, from our family trips in the shared library, but nothing else. That's great. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that they're, I think they're doing a, a good job with that. And when they turn that feature on, I, you know, I think people should give it a try. That said, it's not all there yet. Like I was experimenting last week. We had a question last week from somebody who asked, uh, I forget, I forget where they asked this, but I'll answer it here, which is what happens if you have duplicates? Well, right now, when you have duplicates and they're put in the same library, they're just two of them, right? which is really <laughs> bad if you've got a, a main library that you've been importing photos into over the years, and then you've got your partner's library, let's say, from which you imported those photos, and then they joined your shared library. Now, you could say not before this date, which is the date of the last import, but the fact is, you also do things like... 
uh, you know, maybe text on a group text and it gets added. They need to do a better job with duplicates. I've asked around. It sounds like duplicate dealing with duplicates is supposed to be in there and it's just not in there in what I'm seeing right now. But that's a big red flag, right? Like at the very least, photos for Mac, which has duplicates detection built in, should flag them as duplicates. And really what should happen is probably photos should say, this is a duplicate. I found some things that are already in the shared library. What do you want me to do? And ask you a yeah, question. Now yeah, there's there's yeah. some challenge there's some challenges with that because the person who contributes the photo to the library owns the photo and can pull it back out. So you could be in a situation where, you know, it's your photo and their photo and and you contribute it, but but they already imported it, so you don't contribute it and now you don't own it. So I, I, they have some stuff to work through there. I think maybe the right thing to do is to basically not share it and mark it as hidden, something like that. So you don't see it in your library and you only see one or they could have it be like, well, there's two and they're identical, but I'm only going to display one. But they got to do something, right? Because like the last thing you want is to get really excited about the shared photo library and then have a thousand duplicates that aren't flagged and you can't deal with them. That's the worst. So hopefully they're working on that part of it. Uh, but uh, that's the big hiccup that I've seen so far. Otherwise, it looks really very thoughtful and I'm, and, uh, I'm really looking forward to it and I think it's going to be great for a lot of people. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at... Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens that are powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are really easy to use and incredibly portable, too. They're going to fit in any outside space. And what's really great about them is their power, how hot they can get. They can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius. This is what lets you cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds in your own home. Well, in the backyard is best. It's that high temperature that separates these pizzas from those that you can make in a home oven. One of their most popular models is the Unicoda 16. This is a gas-powered oven that can cook up to 16-inch pizzas and has an innovative L-shaped burner at the back to give you even heat distribution. They also have the multi-fueled Unicaru, which can use wood, charcoal, or gas. And they have a bunch of others, right? So you can find the right Uni pizza oven to fit your needs, to fit the space that you have for it. And they start at just $299 of free shipping to the US, UK, and EU. Uni also make an awesome app to help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza making tips and they have all of the rain, all the accessories that you're going to want from peels to cutters to oven tables and everything else in between and jason so i'm sure you will agree with me here what you get from an uni pizza oven in quality of the pizza is awesome it's just super good it's it's so good you know you can't unless you happen to have a wood fired oven in your house which i mean good for you i guess yep. <laughs> most of us can't get the temperatures that are required, you know, 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Like I, I, when I make pizza in my conventional oven, it heats up my whole house. It's, I got to set it at 500 and the pizza stone sits there and you got to do that for a while. And it's, it's nice, but it's not going to give you that kind of classic, um, high heat wood fired oven style thing, even if you're using propane, like I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it, 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 goes really fast too. So if you've got different uh, diets in your house, one of the nice things that I like about it is you can make two or three or four pizzas, little pizzas, 
little you know lil pizzas and uh, pop them in there one at a time and like you're you're not waiting around was like, that my necessary oven, it takes 12... like to, did you need to make sure everyone knew you meant lil and not lil lil pizzas i just i was more of a commentary for myself really that like did i just say lil pizzas i did lil pizzas lil is what pizzas. i meant there is it well look everybody has little pizzas <laughs> that's uni's mascot <laughs> <laughs> Little pizzas. The old prospector who bakes pizza around the campfire? Yeah, because it's wood-fired pizza, you know, obviously, right. at the campfire. What I'm saying is that in my oven, it takes 12 minutes to make a pizza, which means that if you want to make multiple pizzas, one of the pizzas is not so warm when it's uh, when it's time to eat pizza. With the uni, you you can uh, move them through there real fast, you know, a couple of minutes, and everybody gets their own pie, which is also a really nice treat. So if you want to go and check this out for yourself, you should. Go to uni.com, O-O-N-I.com. And if you use the code UPGRADE22 at checkout, you will save a wonderful 10% off your purchase of an Uni pizza oven. This could be up to $50 off an Uni code of 16. This is the perfect tool for making pizza at home, which is why Uni pizza ovens remain in high demand. So if you want one, go check it out right now. Uni pizza ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. Go to uni.com, that's O-O-N-I.com, and use the code UPGRADE22 for 10% off. A thanks to Uni pizza ovens for the support of this show and Relay FM. It is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Wow, those lasers got to me way faster than normal. It must oh, just yeah, be because of the our speed distance. Of light. That makes so mm-hmm. much sense. First one comes from John, and John wants to know Do you think we could see a nylon backed iPhone SE coming in the future? Okay, so this is referencing the Apple Watch SE, which is the nylon back, mm-hmm. which probably drops the production price a little bit. Uh, no, because I think it's very specifically for the Apple Watch, but um, I think the idea that they would use cheaper materials in the iPhone SE is not unreasonable, other than to say they're going to do whatever makes making that phone cheap uh, possible. And if if changing the materials to a cheaper material costs more money than they would save... Uh, they will leave the materials of whatever phone model they use alone, right? In the end, they will make whatever decision is cheapest for them. So if that's a plastic-backed uh, iPhone SE, they'll do that. Um, the rumor is that they're going to take the 10R, which is also the 11 size, and do an SE based on that. Um, and that that had a didn't that have a plasticky back? I think it might maybe it did. No. Or was it no? I don't think so. No, it was was a glass back. I think it was glass. All right. Well, I, my guess is that it'll be that then, right? Like that that they're gonna they're gonna use the ten R eleven size and and uh, just not change the materials. But if they can save money by changing the materials, they will. Yeah. I think the challenge there is that you know one of the reasons old phone models are cheaper is because they don't have to retool and they don't have to redesign. They just kind of use the same assembly line more or less as much as possible. Uh, next one comes from Andy. I'm buying a new iPhone and watch this year. Should I do anything in particular to make sure that the migration goes smoothly? Uh, I mean, I don't know. My, the, the migration stuff that's built into to the iPhone is really the good The new quick now. setup thing is fantastic. That's what I recommend. Some, some yeah. flavor of the quick setup for sure. And doing the transfer... You know, kind of depends what you're looking for, right? Like, if you want to do the fastest transfer, 
but you won't be able to use your phone for a while. They have that like direct transfer or something it's called yeah. now, which is really good, but your phone, both of your phones kind of are just dead for a bit, which, you know. Dead for an hour or but two. But then you yeah. have like fewer passwords and stuff to put in. Or you can just do the simple one and do the iCloud restore so you can start using the phone immediately, but it's going to take you a little bit longer and a bit more set up, I think. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. And then it will also walk you through. I think the Apple Watch stuff is also pretty um, pretty straightforward now. They Yeah, just pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The... If you're getting a new... Hmm. If you're getting a new watch, I would recommend... Move the phone to the new phone yes. first. Transfer your current watch, then do the new mm-hmm. watch. Yeah, unless it asks you. I don't, I haven't actually done that, so I wonder if it asks you, like, do you also have a new watch? But probably not. Mm-hmm. And you would move your watch over, <laughs> and you would say, would... no. Why not? Do you not like the new watches? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I'm placing an order right now. Can you give me your credit card? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it might. I mean, because if you unpair the old watch as part of the process and then it's got a backup, you could possibly just pair the new watch and have it work. I haven't tried that. Um, but, you know, following following Apple's instructions at this point, I think is the right way to do it. And I, I also prefer the uh, restore version cloud restore version just because it gets you up and running faster and you don't have to sit there while every app downloads yep eric asks on a scale from 1 to 11 how weird is it that the german apple website markets the iphone 14 pro as das pro plus ultra das pro plus ultra and i have a screenshot here that eric provided but there's just that is three different product names (laughs) right You've got Pro and Plus and Ultra. So it's the marketing line on the website. So at the moment, that marketing line on the American website uh, says Pro Beyond. They need to change a little bit every now and then. But it's, you know, talking about like it being the most pro. So I think there's just like some German stuff that's going in there, like language wise to explain like. But it's just so funny of like, they know the names, right? And like the names are in uh-huh. English in in Germany. That it's yeah. called the iPhone 14 Pro. So it's just funny that they then put Plus and Ultra in the name of their marketing materials. Yeah, it's 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 whatever it is Ne Plus Ultra, right? It's it's like Latin and 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 so there there's so yes, there's a German translation thing going on there. It is hilarious uh, to answer uh, the question though, Eric's question. On a scale from one to eleven, I don't know. I I, I think it's going to say like a five because, like, keep in mind the iPhone 13 Pro slogan on Apple's website for an entire year was "Oh, so pro," which is the dumbest slogan yeah, ever. They've that run out of things. One. They've run out of things to say. They've and but there's a spot in the slide where they have to put something, so they put that there, and it's silly. So I would I would much prefer that it say Das Pro Plus Ultra everywhere in the world, quite frankly. So I'm going to take it down. It's a one. It's a one. I love it. You really love it? Das Pro Plus Ultra? It is weird, though. Okay, five. It's a five. It's, it is weird. It's it just, is I love weird, it, but it's weird. Right? It is weird. Like I know what they're going for. Yeah. It makes sense, right? But it's strange because it's not like these are rumored names. Yeah. Dear Apple Germany, you missed a word. It's Das Pro Plus Max Ultra. Yeah, come on. Get it together, will you? Get it right. Chris asks, the Apple Watch Ultra doesn't seem to be a part of the Series 8 family like the Edition or Hermes models were. It appears to be a separate line of watch model. 
like the SE is, how often do you anticipate it would be updated? So if you go to wow. Apple's website, it's got its own little part in the banner, right? So you've got Apple Watch Ultra, Apple Watch Series 8, Apple Watch SE. You've still got Apple Watch Nike. It's still up there, but they don't do them. Uh, just the bands now. So like it's considered its own kind of brand, but not a part of Series 8. Dein Abenteuer wartet. Indeed. Thank you very much. It's the, the German slogan is uh, your, your adventure waits. But yeah, it's the same thing. Adventure awaits. Yeah, it's a totally separate product. So I, I do wonder, will there be a new Apple Watch Ultra in a year or two? Or will they just update it with the series, but call it, just call it the new Apple Watch Ultra? I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious about it. I, I don't really know. Um, I would imagine that if it does well, it'll get updated every year or two. It might be might be little stuff. I could imagine an update next year because it's new, right? So like there might be a couple of things I want to add to it. Yeah. But I don't feel like it needs every year. But who knows? I mean, we'll see. It seems like a lot, right? Right. If they've got something that, that they need to enable. I mean, on the other hand, if it's literally just use the same system and package, and so you might as well, I could see them doing that too, which is just like, look, we just roll it out everywhere every year. So it gets it. It'll be interesting to see how they do it. I I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, but I guess the thing is the, the watch doesn't get a new system on a chip every year anymore, right? Like that's been, it, mm. it was using the previous one for a couple of years. Yeah, so. right. So if they're doing that, then why would they updated at all i yeah i think the bigger point here is clearly it doesn't need to be updated every year mm -hmm. i mean we could argue does the apple watch need to be updated in a year every year anyway but they do um but i think they'll 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 judge it i'm hopeful that it will be updated more often because they are going to try and aggressively push this line to compete with the high-end sports watches and this is just a starting point because there's more they need to do to compete with the Garmin's of the world. The Garmin's, right. for any, anybody who says, oh, well, you know, this is it for Garmin. It's like, no, like there are so many features that the Garmin watches have that the Apple Watch can't do. So there's a lot of work that Apple still needs to do in this space. And so I would like to see them be more aggressive in improving that model. But the other way to look at it is, no, they wouldn't need to do it on the same time frame as the Apple Watch because it is its own thing. On the Garmin thing. So, like, I mean, I feel like without knowing a ton about this world, and I can, I've been seeing a little bit more of it than I have before, I imagine this will take a chunk away from them because there will be people that maybe would want all of the things an Apple Watch yes. could do, plus look nicer, maybe. Yes. And also have some of the features, right? But, yeah, you're right. It's not going to come and completely destroy them, but you've got to be worried if you're Garmin. Yeah, I mean, the, the nuance here is so lost, which is I know it's the internet, but like neither of these things are true. Neither is Garmin destroyed today, nor is Garmin uh, untouched today, because I think you're right. I think there are people who bought the Garmin or th might think of buying a Garmin watch who will look at the the Apple Watch Ultra and say, oh, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have an Apple Watch. And like 
are they there there's somebody who is not going to use a lot of the Garmin features and it's enough for them to sort of fulfill their their desire to have a sports watch. So I think it hurts Garmin at the at the low end of its product line with people who are like thinking, well, do I sacrifice the things I like about Apple Watch in order to do this Garmin watch? And and they'll say no. But it's going to take this is like step one for Apple. And, and I think, do I think Apple could really threaten Garmin? I do. I think they could, but they're going to have to try real hard to do that. And I think that's the question. We see this a lot with Apple. Remember, I mean, it's things like iBooks too. Like there are so many cases where Apple comes into a market and it's like, aha, we're going to take it over because we're Apple. And then they look at the market and they're like, this isn't that interesting a market. Uh, we would have to try really hard to take it over. We're not going to try that hard. And that's my fear about Apple Watch Ultra is that Apple's not like, I don't know if I would say fear. I think that it's a question you have to ask about the fate of, of Garmin and how Apple wants to play in this market is, does Apple really want to be in Garmin's market? Or does Apple just want to kind of slice off the bottom part of it and push Garmin further up? They are not willing to do what Garmin is willing to do. Exactly. Right? Because you would have to take out so many features from an Apple Watch to make it last for a week, say. And they want... Also, that takes effort, right? But yep. Now you're putting a lot of your Apple Watch development effort into an increasingly small slice of the market, right? So I, I guess that's my question is, how high up does Apple really want to go with the Apple Watch Ultra? Is this it? Do they want to kind of be like... In the discussion of whether you should bother getting a Garmin sports watch or or another competitor, like versus just, but they're the leader, versus just like, oh, well, but this 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 sport Apple watch will give that to me and that's enough for me. Like, is that all they're really trying to do is sort of set a cap uh, and, 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 and take away some of the bottom of Garmin's market? Or do they want to go higher up? And I, you know, they might want to go a little higher up over time. But I think it's also unlikely that they would want to do uh, all the things that would be required for them to reach. Like, honestly, this is the same conversation we have about Sherlocking, if you put it in that context. is yeah. A bunch of apps do a thing. Apple puts it in the system. What happens to those apps? Well, their life got harder. But what generally happens is Apple's only really interested in the broad use case, a very simple version. And all the third-party apps end up being... Uh, they survive. Maybe it's a little harder for them, but they get to do all the things that Apple's just not going to bother with because Apple doesn't want to do a feature for the niche. It, they want to do a broad version of that feature, one that's that's got broad appeal but doesn't have the power user features and all that stuff. And that's where those Sherlock apps end up living and and honestly, often thriving. I think that's the situation Garmin is in here, where Garmin's going to be fine. They, they may their business may hurt. A little bit on the low end because Apple's going to push up, you know, against it there. But I have a hard time believing that Apple is going to come for the highest end Garmin sports watches, right? Like it, it would be way too much effort. And as you said, they would have to do some really weird things to the Apple Watch platform to get it there. And I'm not sure they really are interested because the, the further up you go, the thinner you slice it. You don't have to make all of the products. They, 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 I am already surprised at just how don't extreme want sportsy the Ultra is. Like, it's more than I thought they would do. Right. 
this is as much as you need to realistically do to get a nice slice of a market, but also not make something so niche that it only appeals to that small slice of the market, right? Like I think the Ultra yes. is straddling a good line between this is a cool thing, which also does all the Apple Watch features you like, plus it has all these additional things, which are also really good. Maybe you'd use a few of them. You know, I think that's, it could appeal to more people that way. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, we made this watch for scuba divers only. Are you a scuba diver? Great. Are you not? What are you doing? Why would you buy this? Right. So right. you don't need to be in that market. I don't think that's yeah. a good market for them to be in. That said, I think one of the things that uh, we need to watch in the next couple of years is when the Apple Watch Ultra comes out, it's a first cut at this. I'm, I know that they've consulted with people in advance, but it's going to be out there in the market and they're going to get criticized by people who are in this space who want to use this Apple Watch because they think the, because like never bet against Apple software, right? Like Garmin's, I heard some people say, well, you know, but Garmin has the software that's various. like, okay, look, I think Apple can win any software battle it wants to fight. I think the issue, though, is like, what do they want to fight and what do they want to do? And are they going to listen when people say people are going to come and say, like, here's 40 things that Garmin's products do that you guys don't do. And that's why I'm not going to buy an Apple Watch Ultra. And and my question is, what are they listening to there? And are they striving? Are they, And I don't know the market well enough to say this, but like, are there five moves they could take next year with software and hardware? or 10 moves, or, or four moves, whatever, a small cut of it that gets them more of an audience, right? That, that gets them the lowest hanging fruit in that market where they're still not going to hit the highs, but they're going to be able to eliminate some blockers and, and get more people to use the Apple Watch Ultra. Because I think a lot of the potential audience for the Apple Watch Ultra is people who know the Apple Watch and probably like the Apple Watch or think positive things about the Apple Watch, but it just doesn't provide the level of functionality that they need. And if they can get, the more of those people they can get, the better that product's going to be. My fear is that they will have, having done this product, that they will be less focused on this market. And that's sort of it. And that's not going to kill the product. The product, I think, will still be pretty successful. But it, it, it's going to be, like, that's the question is how, how much do they want to push it? Or has Apple already reached the limit? If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you can get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus at getupgradeplus.com and you'll get longer ad-free versions of every episode of Upgrade. Don't forget, this Friday, it's the 16th, 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash RelayFM for the fourth annual podcast of Fun for St. Jude, Broadcasting live from St. Jude's campus here in Memphis, Tennessee. It's going to be Stephen and I keeping you entertained for a really long time. We've got a bunch of wonderful mm. Relay FM guests. We've got game shows. We've got fun. We've got frolics and activities. Please come and check out what we're doing. Twitch.tv slash Relay FM. Please donate to St. Jude at stjude.org slash Relay as well. Our thanks to Uni, Memberful, Fitbod, and Text Expander for the support of this week's episode. And we'll be back next time. Until then. Say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. 